0: Welcome to South Coast tonight. I'm Marcus. 508 996 0500 is how you can join me this evening. Chris will be back tomorrow. And in fact, tomorrow, just tease it for you. Tomorrow's Friday. Um, I'm actually trying to set up my headphones as I do this. Oh. Um welcome to south coast tonight i'm marcus 508-996-0500 is how you can get on the program uh we have a great show ahead for you tonight i've got some um got a great lineup we got a great lineup of guests At nine o'clock we'll have attleboro mayor paul harrow at um uh, eight we'll be doing some election mapping uh with a friend i have from uh, split ticket but at 7 p.m Uh, uh, which is now, we're joined by Taunton Senator uh,
1: Mark Pacheco. Hey, Senator, how are you? Very, very good. And uh, how are you doing?
0: I'm well, thanks. Um, So I think most people down here are familiar uh, with who you are. You've been the senator in um, the, I believe it's the first Bristol and Plymouth district uh, for about... Thirty or so years now and before that you were a state rep but just in case we have some people in the audience who aren't familiar with you uh, why don't you introduce yourself
1: yeah well thank you very much Marcus and thank you for the opportunity to say hi and, and answer your questions uh, I have been uh, involved in public service for uh, a number of years uh, I served for 10 years on a local school committee and in taunton uh, where i ascended to the chairmanship there uh, for a number of years uh, also uh, worked in the mayor's office for then mayor richard johnson uh, and learned a lot about southeastern massachusetts by collaborating with the mayors of the bedford and fall river at the time and uh, Attleboro, the whole region as a whole uh, i ran for state representative back in 88 and was uh elected and had the opportunity to serve two terms in the the House before I went to the Senate in 92, started serving in 90, well, I actually started serving in 93, and I have been in the Senate serving the first Plymouth and Bristol district for uh, those years, and uh, now with redistricting, the the district is actually called the uh, third Bristol and Plymouth uh, district. Okay. Because I lost uh, Bridgewater, and actually picked up uh, the towns of Rehoboth and Seekonk, that way back at the beginning of my uh, uh, my service in the Senate, I actually once represented. So it's it's interesting how things uh, just uh, uh, actually come back to to where they were in terms of the some of the districts that I had represented. But of course, when I look at service in the district I have or, or hopefully will have, uh, I always look at southeastern Massachusetts uh, together as one region of the, uh, of the state, uh, an area that has uh, seen both its uh, good and bad times. I can remember double-digit unemployment rates uh, here uh, a number of years ago. And yeah. so we've come a long way, but now we have to look at the future. And uh, the future is, uh, is changing with offshore wind, with new technologies, with the green economy that is going to be a friend to um, uh, southeastern Massachusetts in particular in terms of the new job creations that are on the, on the cusp of happening. And so uh, I'm proud to represent this area. I'm uh, proud to call uh, Taunton my home in southeastern Massachusetts, uh, uh, part of my, my, my district and look forward to, uh, hearing, uh, I, I you know, obviously education, as I told you, I was on the school board. So education <laughs> has always been something that I've very, uh, deeply, uh, care about along with climate and, uh, education is going to not only go to the forefront of what we need to be doing in the future as it always is, but in particular right now because of the skills gap that we have in the workforce and we need to upskill a, a lot of folks and we actually need a lot more people in the workforce. Uh, so, uh, and we've got some amazing challenges ahead of us as we go
0: forward. So, Senator Pacheco, um, you'd mentioned the uh, redistricting that added, uh, re-added to your district, um, uh, Rehoboth and Seekonk. Also in your district, you obviously Totten, that's where you are, um, Middleborough, Wareham, and Marion. Am I correct on that?
1: Yes, I have Middleborough, Wareham, uh, Marion... I have uh, Rainham, Rainham as well. I have Dighton and Berkeley, right? Uh, so I've got ten communities in uh, in uh, in total, and uh, community of Carver as well. Okay, so it's it's a
0: it's yeah, a it's a sprawling district.
1: It's a yeah, sprawling district comes <laughs> from the Rhode Island border. Yes, up up through the town of Rainham, you take a right down to. Uh, four ninety five in most of that uh, whole corridor uh, within the within the the heart of southeastern mass yeah going down four ninety five all the way to to yeah. uh, You know, it's it's quite a Wayham and, and Marion. It's quite a district.
0: So you you talked about um Offshore wind and uh, and energy and and, and uh, how important that is for the district. Um, what can people start expecting down here uh, in the uh, in the offshore wind industry and, and, and marine tech and all of that?
1: Well, you're already starting to see it. We're starting to see the uh, uh, new new companies that, that are taking over. Uh, at one point in time, you had uh, a uh, coal plant in Somerset, Massachusetts, right, and right across the bridge, uh, the Fall River. And today uh, you have a new company which is, uh, you know, uh, going to be developing and manufacturing, the, doing the cables uh, that will actually help with uh, transmission lines, et cetera, that will be in the same place employing about the same amount of people but with much higher wages, uh, where the coal plant once was, and uh, looking across uh, uh, the uh, the way, if you're standing where the uh, president of the United States was standing when he was here uh, talking about offshore wind and investment in climate change for the future, and we were. Watching him on the podium, and looking across the way to Fall River, yeah, and and seeing where uh, a lot of uh, the work uh, w- was going to take place in the uh, in along the uh, along the coast uh, in the Bedford, the Fall River, uh, you know, Somerset, uh, going all the way up. You look up the coast to to, to Salem uh what will happen in terms of the transmission lines coming in in bondssible and how that's going to create uh, the first project 800 megawatts of clean energy that's uh, uh, fairly inexpensive at 6.5 cents a kilowatt hour and we're going to see uh, customers that will benefit as a result of uh, this clean energy that will uh, start to be part of our energy mix in southeastern Massachusetts and throughout New England uh, to the tune of savings. And this was this is before the oil prices started going up, right? right. The estimates were 1.4 billion dollars in savings uh, for energy consumers. So that is quite uh, significant. That's the life of the contract. Now it's it's not talking about uh, you know Mayflower wind that's that's coming right behind it and and other changes that are taking place uh, with with solar and geothermal and energy efficiency energy efficiency is going to be huge in terms of what we're going to be doing in terms of creating jobs yeah and lowering the cost of energy we waste more energy here than <laughs> than uh, anywhere else. Uh, Certainly in Europe, uh, they're way ahead of us in terms of energy efficiency because the prices have always been much higher. And we've got to, you know, that will drive us to do a lot more with energy efficiency. But with the federal law that passed and, and the new monies that will be coming back to the states in terms of billions of dollars that will be heading to Massachusetts and other, other states in, in, in the U.S., you're going to see a whole uh, new uh, clean energy future that will create jobs, lower greenhouse gas emissions, clean up our air. Uh, It will, you know, places like the, uh, I mean, entities like the American Lung Association and the American Heart Association and other places are thrilled with what is going to be taking place in terms of improvement to our public health and cost savings there in the health Side or at least cost avoidance uh, on the, in the health side because of uh, having uh, uh, the the opportunity to get rid of uh, uh, dirty energy, right. uh, and so we're on the cusp uh, Marcus, of a sustainability revolution in this uh, in this country if we only have the political will uh, to continue. Uh, down the path that we've we've begun, uh, we're at the beginning of it. But it's exciting when you look into the future and you see what other countries have done, uh, and uh, that opportunity is just uh, amazing. So we're
0: speaking with Mark Pacheco, a state senator from Taunton, um, also represents the South Coast communities of uh, of Dayton, um, uh, of Dayton, Rehoboth, Wareham, uh, Wareham, Seekonk, Marion. Uh, Carver, so um, so, so Senator, you talked about monies that are coming down. Uh, you know, a lot of that's going into green energy investment. There's money coming from ARPA. There's money coming from the infrastructure bill. The Biden administration's made a focus of investing in in clean energy. Um, but recently there's uh, we should the people the Commonwealth should expect more money going to other uh, I think important facets of uh, you know our everyday life with the economic development bill um, that has been agreed upon. I don't know if it's been passed yet, but it's at least been agreed upon. What can people expect with the uh, economic development bill?
1: Well, the economic development bill that we did uh, actually we we did today it'll be heading over to the uh, Governor's office uh, to, to, to see what he will he will do with it. Uh, uh, the agreement uh, actually uh, continues our recovery because let's not forget we've been in a, in, in the middle of a pandemic right. and the pandemic is still very much a part of what is taking place. There are still people that are getting COVID. Still people are going to hospital and there's still people uh you know once in a while that uh uh passing away i have got a good friend who i talked with his uh his son today who's in the hospital and uh had covid and and he is uh he's in critical uh condition so i want to make sure people understand that's where we are and so we call a lot of what we've done uh, recovery because we have been putting money into businesses putting money into the economy Trying to help small businesses in particular and others investing some 3.76 billion dollars to help families, individuals, uh, sectors strained by the pandemic, including, uh, direct investments in support, uh, fiscally distressed hospitals, uh, yeah. human service workers, uh, early education, child care providers, uh, and the list goes on. So as a result of what we've done, with, we've seen happen with extraordinary growth in the tax revenues over the last uh, year, in addition to the $3.76 billion in direct investments, the agreement that was done uh, includes nearly $3 billion in one-time tax relief that is being returned uh, to an estimated $3 million taxpayers over the coming weeks. And I want to publicly thank uh, Mike Rodericks, yep. the chair of the Ways and Means Committee. Friend of the show. Uh, which we're, we're, What's
0: that? I said he's a friend of the show.
1: Oh, yes. Well, I mean, we want to thank him. He's done such a great job with this. And my other colleague, a former chair of Ways and Means, uh, uh, <laughs> and Senator Montigny Yep. The and, friend of the show. and the entire delegation that has worked very hard in making sure we have a combined six point Seven six eight. Uh, 7, I mean, six point seven six billion in tax relief and direct investments uh, that will provide much-needed uh, breathing room for uh, small businesses, families, individuals feeling the pinch of inflation. Yeah. So, over one point four billion um, was uh, uh, pro- appropriate, appropriated uh, to support health and human service programs including 350 million for hospitals that have become fiscally strained i know in my own region uh, of southeastern massachusetts if you look at the city of Taunton, for example we have a disproportionate uh, share hospital which means uh you know the economic hardship here uh, you know comparatively is uh is strained can can compared to some of the you know, Boston Metro, uh, you know, entities. And so there's money that they will be receiving as well as some other hospitals in southeastern Massachusetts to help them out. Uh, the rates of trying to find human service workers, you know, mental health workers, uh, uh, you know, providers is very, very difficult. And there's 225 million in this package. Uh, uh, for that, the continuation in response to COVID-19, some 200 million there, nursing home facilities and rest homes. You're starting to see some of these facilities actually go out of business because yeah. they just can't afford to uh, stay in uh, the business at the rates that were there. Right. So there's a little less than 200 million that would be heading in their direction. Community health centers uh, are assisted here. Uh, we also have, uh, a lot of, uh, resources, uh, relative to, uh, protecting, uh, areas across the Commonwealth, uh, related to trauma, uh, because of, uh, you know, gun violence. And we, 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 luckily don't have as much of it here in, 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 in the Southeast, but we've had our share and in the metropolitan regions, uh, in the uh, commonwealth uh, we've seen uh, increased uh, violence that has taken place here and there and and there's uh, a cost relative to health care and trauma as a result of it Uh, we've had grant programs to support uh, school safety infrastructure improvements Uh, we've we have uh, 20 million to to bridge impending federal cuts to victims of crime uh, program and and maintain critical victim service programs, which is extremely important. Uh, we have uh, resources that have been appropriated for uh, implementation and support for the clean energy and climate resiliency initiative that we were talking about uh, uh, a few moments ago. Uh, in terms of looking at uh, investments in the port infrastructure which will be very, very important to us uh, in the Southeast uh, uh, region. Uh, we have 50 million that will be going into the Massachusetts Clean Energy Center to accelerate the transition to expansion of renewable energy and, and their investments and their grants that partner with sometimes some of the higher education institutions and technology companies that are trying to bring bring online some of the new clean energy uh, technologies, some $175 million for for uh, conservation and improvement of publicly owned lands and investments in green spaces, which is very, very important to continue to do, with an emphasis for investments in environmental justice communities, communities that have been, um, uh, you know, the source of where where some uh, dirty energy was, and right. and how we need to clean up, uh, take uh, brown fields and turn them into green fields, you know that type of thing, and uh, and we also have a significant uh, sum of money that is going into affordable housing. One of the major issues uh, that we face as a Commonwealth is trying to find affordability, especially with. Uh, inflation and some of the numbers that had gone up in housing, uh, and, uh, and the, at the peak it was very difficult. I mean, it's just unbelievable. Look at some of the numbers with some of these uh, housing units were being sold for. And of course, the affordability of, uh, of rent and, and, and all of that. So we're, we're putting in a significant sum of, of money over 304. Point five million million to support and boost housing production, including $100 million for the Commonwealth Builder Program to support the production uh, of for sale below market housing to expand homeownership opportunities for, uh, uh, for first-time home buyers and uh, socially disadvantaged individuals in communities disproportionately impacted by the 2019 pandemic. Uh, coronavirus, uh, you know, pandemic. Right. We have $500 million invested to support early education, economic development, workforce development, and community support initiatives. We have uh, uh, $75 million, uh, investments in broadband infrastructure, access across the Commonwealth. Uh, we're looking at uh, LIHEAP. Uh, which will be very very important in terms of uh assistance uh, uh for families uh rising energy costs. Uh there will be monies that will be coming out uh, as part of this agreement. And today there was also an announcement at the federal level that Massachusetts will be getting uh more resources uh for uh assistance for uh people uh, with their energy, uh, cost. We also have money set aside for food security, uh, infrastructure grants, uh, and resources and investments for agricultural and blue economy sectors, which certainly, uh, are right down here in southeastern Massachusetts. We have a, a great agricultural sector, especially in different parts of my district in the cranberry industry. We still have some, uh, a lot of you know, vegetable farming. Uh, we have uh, some dairy farms. Uh, it's a very important part of our agriculture and our, uh, and our, and our tourism. And, and uh, it's, it's very important in the blue economy in terms of investments in our uh, oceans and technologies that will help uh, with understanding more clearly the future in terms of climate and in fisheries and a whole range of things uh, is very important to continue that science and investment and that collaboration and then uh, uh, finally we've actually put some resources as well into science teacher development. I mean you, you go into uh, the education community now you know if you're a if you're a math teacher, science teacher, uh, biology, uh, any of the sciences, you know, almost any one of those teachers can leave the teaching profession tomorrow and in many cases triple their salary. Yeah. So, so it is very important for us to be uh, continuing to uh, invest in our future and to do that we have to invest in education and we have to invest in the educators uh, to make sure we have the quality educators that we're going to need for the future and as we look at the challenging place we are right now uh, and when i say challenging because excuse me when you look at the lower birth rates that we've had in the u.s uh marcus over the last, say, 15, 20 years or so. And then you see that all culminate in lower high school graduate, grad, graduates being available for the workforce or to go on to higher ed, etc. And the same thing is happening in Europe, by the way. It happened in Europe. Of course, now there's, there's a lot of people that are in, uh, in, say, Germany and some other European countries because of what's going on in Ukraine. Right, But the population numbers are really impacting our economy. There's not a small business that I know of, a retail company that I know of, a farm that I know of, uh, and, and it's happening in the public sector as well for certain uh, positions where, you know, people can find the people they need. It's very difficult Uh, in a a time when we have a 3.5% unemployment rate, uh, you know, nationally. It's at a 50-year low, and then we have some of the lowest numbers of people graduating high school, right? Right, yeah. Uh, That's why it's going to be so important as we look at what's happening with the pandemic as well. We've lost a lot of people from the workforce that have passed away. And then there's a lot of baby boomers and people that were a little older that could retire that did, I mean, especially yeah. if they're in retail or hospitality, they 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 get out of the workforce. So that's why we need our federal legislation, our federal legislators rather, to get past a legal immigration bill. Yeah, because we need to have. Uh, we need to have uh, a workforce to implement this vision we have right. for twenty first century uh, you know clean energy economy
0: you know you know actually
1: we also need to take care of the people that are retiring and and we need to make sure we have a vibrant health care system and you can't do that if you can't find lab techs You know actually you know, I actually, the and,
0: I actually uh, had a congressman Keating on uh, a few weeks ago, and he'd said the same thing that he had met with um a couple of senators uh can't remember which ones but he met with a couple of senators and they they had all shared the same concern that you know they have uh they have a lot of positions available they have the workforce available available but they don't have the um the actual workers to do it and uh, some comprehensive immigration reform would would do a lot to fill those positions in a way that's um, legal and could you know help move the economy, uh, you know the, the, their respective economies, state economies forward. Um, but Senator, I wanted to ask you a question. Uh, you, um, you do have a chairmanship in the Senate. You are you are chair of the uh, Joint uh, Committee on Oversight. Um, can yeah, you tell? I
1: chair there with with Representative Cabral. Right. That's on the House side on that committee, and we we work very well together. We collaborate all the time. We. And we co-chair the Portuguese-American caucus in the, in the legislature as well.
0: So can you tell us about some of the work that that joint committee does that you do with Rep. Cabral?
1: Oh, there's a whole range of things. Just, you know, anything to do with procurement, anything to do with uh, uh, there's been a lot of local bills that have come through as well uh, that have come through. And we have uh, we have dealt with, you know, communities, communities. Uh, uh, we we had worked uh, with the committee on long term uh, uh, bonding a- as well. Uh, we both have not only has Representative Cabral chaired the committee, but we both have had memberships on on that committee. Just recently, we we had legislation that came out of a committee that dealt with uh, uh, the veterans' home. I saw that, yeah. You know, we had the Holyoke yoke uh, Holyoke, uh, Veterans Home getting that redone. Uh, but we realized that, uh, we needed not only to do something out in Western Mass, but we were looking at where veterans lived in the Commonwealth. And believe it or not, you know, a lot of the veterans live south of Quincy. Right. And they live in Cape and the Islands. So they're here in southeastern Mass. And for some supplemental housing, and hopefully some of this housing money were appropriated, some of that can also go to complement the $200 million that we put aside to create some veterans' housing, uh, you know, so that we can help stabilize some of the uh, vulnerable uh, veterans that are here that really, you know, can't afford uh, uh, some of the housing uh, opportunities that they fought for, literally fought for, you know. Yeah, so, right. They, yeah. So w- <laughs> exactly. you know, we've been uh, we've been working together on a whole range of issues like that.
0: So, Senator, I appreciate you coming on. Um, before I let you go, where can people go to learn more about the the work that you're doing? I know you you are running for re reelection uh, as well, so maybe learn more about your campaign. Well, they
1: can check. They can check on M A R C Pacheco, P A C H E C O. Dot com. Great. And they can go to uh dot com and of course Mark is spelled with a C unlike Mark Quinton spells me. his first name with a K. Right. Uh, but uh yeah, M A R C Pachico dot com. And we have a whole list of you know things there that I've worked on over the years that people uh should uh look at and and uh if anybody wants to get a hold of me, they call me at five oh eight 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 oh m a r c uh so it's five oh eight 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 oh six two seven two is my uh is my uh, campaign office and my district office is five oh eight eight two two three thousand and we're dealing with constituent issues all the time I would say it's one of the things I love to do when we uh I'm to people that come up to me and say, you know, hey, Senator, I want to thank you for uh, helping my sister with this problem she had, or with the tremendous amount of unemployment we had very early in the pandemic. Let's remember that we had over 10 million Americans out of work. Uh, it was it was actually it was more than that, and all of those jobs now have come back. Uh, and we're down to a 3.5% unemployment rate because of the work that the Biden-Harris administration that they've been doing. Right. Uh, and and the Democratic leadership at the, uh, at the national level. It's been extraordinary that we've come from such a deep hole and we've climbed our way out of it. And at the same time, making sure that we not only took care of uh, the unique needs we've had during the pandemic, but we've also uh, helped out not only other places in our part of the world, but worldwide. We've been a, we've been a leader in terms of health care and getting us through this pandemic. And <clears throat> we are leaders, again, uh, moving in the right direction with a clean energy future. We're also... <clears throat> assisting people with their, with their uh, energy needs, we're assisting with health care needs, uh, so uh, it's, uh, it's been uh, an extraordinary time when you look back at where we've been, where we are right now. So we're right on the cusp of really being able to uh, turn the, uh, turn the corner here. I would only like to urge people, no matter what they're doing or no matter how busy they are, please make a plan to get out and vote. Because I believe that our democracy, everything that we take for granted, our democracy is on the ballot. Uh, The future of our educational system is on the ballot future of our economy, in particular, uh, the way we look at things here in southeastern Massachusetts, the values that we share, they're all on the ballot. Uh, And it's all about who you want to have serve you. That's your choice. Uh, The voters out there. But please don't sit home and then Two days later after the elections, is over, you say, oh, my God, look what's <laughs> happening. Yeah. And then you say, why didn't I have a voice in it? When well, you had an opportunity, especially this year with all the, all the opportunity for mail-in voting, for early voting, uh, all the different options we've given people to come out and exercise that precious right. Because if we lose a democracy, that right could very well go away.
0: Senator. That
1: is scary. So please get out and vote. Thank you.
0: Senator, I appreciate you calling. Uh, looking forward to talking with you after the election as well.
1: Great. Thank you, Marcus. Thank you for the opportunity.
0: Absolutely. All right, that was Senator Mark Pacheco from Taunton. we got to take a break. We'll be right back. 1420 WBSM I'm uh, Marcus, that was State Senator Mark Pacheco uh, certainly a lot of experience and uh, definitely um, a lot of information in that uh, in that interview and I appreciate him coming on. I really do enjoy talking to all of the legislatures on, uh, up on Beacon Hill because they're all doing their own work and they all usually have some, I think pretty interesting stuff to say they're doing some good work And, you know, you get both of like sort of the locals, sort of like district issues and the broader, more like forest, not the trees type of uh, lawmaking that they they do up there. So I always like having them on. It was one of the things I was really excited about when I got this show and when Chris and I got this show uh, was to feature more people from the uh, from Beacon Hill. Um, not just our great delegation, but uh, uh, people outside it as well. You know, you've heard, you know, Rep Conley and Senator Sear and others uh, on this uh, on this program as well. It's a it's a it's a feature I'm looking forward to continuing uh, when the election's over, because uh, I'm going to need some stuff to talk about <laughs> to that. And we've got uh, Armin Thomas from uh, Split Ticket. He's going to give us some 2022 like election Uh, forecasting, which I'm really excited about. And then at 9 o'clock, Paul Haro is going to be calling in the Attleboro Mayor and Dem nominee for Bristol County Sheriff, as if you don't know who he is, because we've covered this race quite a bit here. But um, I wanted to give him some equal time. The Sheriff was on with Jess er uh, earlier in the week and uh, about this whole issue of anti-Semitism and all of that. And so uh, I wanted to give, uh, you know, we WBSM, of course, uh, want to offer Mayor Haro uh, equal time to talk about this, so I'm looking forward to speaking with him later uh, about this issue. This this race certainly has been uh, very important. Uh, frankly, kind of a gift for us over here for coverage. It's because it's one of the hottest races in the country, let alone uh, the state. So, looking forward to speaking with Mayor Hero at nine. All right, I got to take one more. Uh, well, I got to take a couple more breaks, but here's another one. Download the five zero eight nine nine six zero five hundred. Good evening.
2: Hi. Hey. So, how you having a good night?
0: Uh, yes. Why?
2: Because, I'm just saying, um, I called last night and I was saying, you know, there's no way I believe the property value is not going to try to skyrocket. <laughs> oh, yeah. And then I just read an article that people are getting tossed out of their places they've been living and somebody's running around buying up all kinds of properties in the New Bedford area, kind of down around the train station the huh. one. And um and it's some like out of state uh person, nobody even knows who their landlord's going to be. It's it's some L L C so they don't know who their landlord is. But they I don't know, they're paying it. Oh money. yeah,
0: I read an article in New Bedford Light about that. Um it was really good. It was talking about how basically it's like a series of of like shell corps that own uh, a certain properties in New Bedford, and they only they only got the name of the property manager, but the prop you know they don't have the right. name of anybody that actually owns the building. And exactly. Yes. And so
2: this is this is yeah. what we're looking forward to. I mean, there there are people that own property yeah. throughout the city that that it's, live out of the area, yeah. but Mayor Mitchell's been trying to get a handle on absentee landlords. And now you don't even know who these people are. And it's, it's been such an yeah, issue for a
0: long time. I know. Uh, yeah, and it's it, that's a broad. I mean, that's that's a bigger fix, right? That, that like that needs to be fixed either way. I don't know if it's going to be made worse by the train, but it's still just like I don't a, know.
2: But it's, it's a it's Interesting to see lots of properties getting scooped up, yeah. and there really aren't many available. So, needless to say, the, the rents are going to go up. They're rehabbing these places, which yep. a lot of them need rehabbing, and it'll be nice if the properties are kept. Up well, but it'll be interesting to see where this goes.
0: Yeah, I think um, that it it is it is a big issue. I, I, you know, like I said, if it's if it, it, you know, will it be made worse by the train? It could be. I could see. I could see that happening. To be honest with you, Um, but uh, But
2: people are not going to come down from the big city to live in a, 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 you know, a city down the bottom of the the train if they're living in squalor. So, you know, they're not going to get the rents they want if they're not going to keep them worthy of the people that have the jobs that can afford them. So, yeah, it'll have to be uh, balanced out. Yeah, I mean,
0: it's it is going to be a big boon. Uh, it's going to be a big boost for people who own their properties because they're going to get a lot of money for them. Um, but, uh, yeah, I agree. I mean, there's definitely going to be people who move here just for the train access. So We've seen that uh, already even in Lakeville. There is a set of really nice condominiums uh and houses right literally right next to the train so um but yeah uh i there needs there does need to be a bigger fix that has to be on the legislature honestly and it was good work by new bedford uh new bedford lake to uh to sort of yeah, uncover that for sure yes,
2: that's good to see and and lakeville has the lakes but we've got the ocean so i think we're a better draw i, we're I like agree minutes further down the track you know down the track, but We've got some stuff over here. Oh,
0: we're much better. It's a much better draw. Yeah, you've got, uh, you know, all the beaches that are closer and sort of like uh, closer to civilization than, let's say, Lakeville uh, is. So, uh, no, I do. I do think it's a I do think it's a better draw for sure. Hey, I got to take this break, but thanks for the call. I appreciate it. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: And take a break. I'll be right back. (laughs) Up the end of the the first hour. Again, we have Armin Thomas, who is an elections mapper. Uh, He's going to give us, um, you know, we're going to do some forecasting on uh, what to expect in the uh, 2022 midterms. So stay tuned for that. And then,
2: of course, we'll have Paul Harreau at nine o'clock and uh, stay tuned and call in.